Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities. But it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca podcast episode, another brand new guest. In fact, we've been pumping out a lot of episodes. I think we've done something like between 20 and 30 episodes in the last few weeks or so. But uh, Lee Bradshaw is here with me. Lee, thanks for making time for the Boca podcast community. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Me too. And we were geeking out a little bit uh, before I hit the record button on Donald Miller. Many of our listeners who probably heard me talk ad nauseum at this point about Donald Miller and building (laughs) a story brand, I I want to give a little bit of context to them. You mentioned to me something I didn't realize before we we started the interview or until we we were talking before the interview. Mm -hmm which is that you actually are certified under that, that Donald Miller, I'd say curriculum, that's kind of an old school word, but give us a bit more context to that. Yeah. So I, I was a story brand certified guide for okay. a year. So I'm not officially with them any longer, but I was a guide with them for a year. So, you know, got to meet and talk with uh, Don and Kula and JJ, all the people you see on the podcast, learned a ton from them and a lot about um, positioning, a lot about clarity and uh, just just really saying things and in, in, as succinct of a way as possible. And I'm a pretty simple guy, which you'll probably find out. I'm, I'm very straight and straight to the point. So uh, it was just a good fit uh, for me. So when I can see that reflected in uh, on your website and even in your Instagram profile. So first of all, for everybody listening in, if you just go to simplevideoschool.com, it's the website and then uh, Simple Video School on Instagram as well. But I mean, this has been one of this is one of the, the cleanest, simplest, most concise uh, brand position statements that I've seen from any of our guests to date in over 400 episodes, helping you connect with your audience and grow your business with simple video you can create. This is what I'm seeing on the Instagram profile, just as an example. Um, so I'm reading your brand position statement out loud, but will you, this is a question I ask many, if not most of my guests, will you kind of expound on that idea? How did you come up with this position statement as somebody who's teaching how to use video for marketing? Yeah. And, I, and you know, what's funny. Cause like everybody's got their platforms, like their favorite platforms, Instagram, which is so visual is, is the one that I do, but like it's, so it's kind of funny. Uh, the thing I normally tell people is that I help people connect with their audience and make more sales using simple video from their phone. And as you've probably looked at the story brand stuff, you know, you can often have iterations of yes. what you're doing. Yes. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of been my default when I'm when I'm talking about that. So that's a really good to hear you say the, the simplicity of it because as I was listening to one of your other podcasts where you kind of talking through that, I was like, oh man, I hope mine sounds uh, good <laughs> <laughs> for when Nathan's on there. Um, well, we do two different types of episodes. We do, of course, our normal podcast episodes, quote unquote normal, which would, mm-hmm. this would be an example of one where I have a guest on, we ask a series of questions, and then we dig into a particular topic, and then I do mm-hmm. separate brand position consultations where you know I have photographers who are 
her wanting the feedback or interested in the feedback. So I have the ability to be able to go in a bit more detail and give some constructive criticism in that mm-hmm. context. Most of the guests that I have on in the regular episodes, they're sharing their, their brand position statements. And even if they're not very strong position statements or even necessarily position statements per se, um, I don't really have as much freedom and flexibility to give the feedback. But when we have yeah. an example like this, that is so wonderful. I have to highlight it. And by the way, for everybody listening in, you know, the other thing that I that I harp on so much when it comes to position statements is that it, it is in a visible location above the fold on your website. And if you go to simplevideoschool.com, and this is the first thing that you're just absolutely hit with, big, bold text, connect with your audience and make more sales with video from your phone. And uh, so props to you. Uh, I mean, this is really, really good stuff, Lee. And it's a great example for all of our listeners. Awesome. Well, that that gives me a, a mental check that I can be okay now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. By the way, I, there's another book that Donald Miller um, has written that I've, I've mentioned before in the podcast, but it's not one I don't think that's talked about very much. Have you ever read Scary Close? I have not. No, I know. I know he's written a lot of, of he's written multiple books, but no, I've not read that one. What is that one about? I I can't recommend it enough. Um, The the subtitle is Dropping the Act and Finding True Intimacy. Ah. And it has to do with the the notion of vulnerability in relationships and learning what it means to kind of open up and be vulnerable with somebody. The the examples that he gives is with uh, the person who I believe eventually became his wife Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. learning how to be vulnerable and open with her. It's a beautiful read. Actually, my my girlfriend and I uh, were doing the long distance thing for quite a while. And one of the ways that we were able to connect was to read to each other over the phone. Oh, nice. And um, and I just love reading to her. And this was a book that we read together. And it was just a really beautiful read, easy read. The storytelling is really great. And I didn't realize or hadn't made the connection between that and then um, story brand. I was like, oh my word, mm-hmm. this guy wrote the same, same <laughs> books. Two yeah. totally different uh, genres, if you will, but both really, really strong books. So we'll put both of them in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But let awesome. me transition to the next question, Lee. Yeah. Talk to me about customer experience. This is a question I've been asking our guests this year. What's one of the most important principles that you've learned or that has ultimately made a big difference in your business when it comes to customer experience? Uh, I would say service. Um, you know, customer service, I guess, can can be cliche or sound cliche, but um, my mom, always, always growing up, my mom had a servant's heart about her. Hmm. And even to this day, like you know, obviously not right now with a COVID thing, but uh, she, she will go into like senior um, citizens homes yeah. and she will go do arts and crafts and do all these little event, you know, things. And she goes in there and just does that like every week. And just, you know, these people are people who can never give anything back to her, but she just has that heart about her. And I think she kind of passed that on to me. Hmm. And I think, in business, things happen at times. And I think we need to go above and beyond on the service side of things. Like what can we do to really bless our clients life and their day? And, you know, so, so that's just been a driving thing for me. What is that extra customer service thing? And in in the photography world, uh, for those of you who don't know, I used to be, I was a professional photographer about 10 years ago. So, uh, so I have the context of things, but for example, I, I knew photographers that would charge like hourly. You get X amount of hours for, let's say, a wedding. And then something happens. You know how something, nothing ever goes completely right. Wedding, <laughs> right, right, right. Something would happen. And then, you know, the bride would be upset and they would, the photographer would have to stay another hour. And they were very much like, you know, okay, but this is going to be another X amount of dollars. And as opposed to just compassion and, 
and saying, don't worry about it. Everything's cool. We're here for you. That, that kind of a, you know, over and beyond. Um, and I think that's just transpired into other parts, you know, and what I'm doing and whatnot now too. So I think the more you can serve, have that servant's heart about you. I I feel like businesses, obviously you're there to make money, but you're also to serve and, um, you know, that transformation that needs to take place in a lot of ways. So, so yeah, that's, that's how I'd go with that one. Well, and it's an interesting point of conversation too. There was an article that just recently came out. I'm going to scroll back here on my phone really quick, just to take a look, but uh, DP review and, and it was elsewhere. Uh, as well. But there was a photographer who tried to file a lawsuit hmm. against, I'm trying to think, it, it was actually against Mashable, I believe, the blog site, okay. who used one of her Instagram posts, who shared that or embedded her Instagram post mm-hmm. um, as part of an article promoting female photographers who were, or, or just women in general, who were doing nonprofit work of, of service of some type. Mm-hmm. And this, in this particular case, this girl was a photographer and she actually has a nonprofit herself. And they were, they embedded one of her posts in an article And this article ultimately was a way, I mean, Mashable, first of all, is a massive site, tons yeah. of traffic to the blog. And they're ultimately giving her non her and her nonprofit exposure. And yet she went and, and sued them for using mm. her image without permission. Now, of course, there's the technicalities of Instagram having the right um, mm-hmm. Or ultimately mm-hmm. getting the right from the photographer posting the content to their platform to um, to then you know somebody to be able to embed that that's kind of built into the legalities. All of this to say though, the thing that really took me because I was having a conversation with a photographer about this. I posted on social media. I said, "What do y'all think about this?" Because I I didn't understand what the big fuss was. Mm-hmm. And this photographer was saying that that it is the photographers are in this place where they are easily taken advantage of. Yeah. And yeah. and so the reason that I bring this story up, because you were talking about the significance of, of giving. You know, we could nitpick individual hours. Mm-hmm. Why not just go focus on serving the person that you are working for, taking care of them, making, you know, as Donald Miller talks about, so mm-hmm. uh, infamously, um, the you know, making them the hero of their own story. If that's the focus, it seems, and, and I'm a huge believer of this, that it's ultimately going to come back to, to benefit us in some way in the end, whether that's personally, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, or in business, ideally, maybe all of the above, mm-hmm. um, it's going to come back to us to benefit us. But this particular photographer was arguing that that we also have to be careful because photographers can also get taken advantage of in the process. Um, so that was a, a very roundabout way of saying and getting to my question for you ultimately, no. which is, <laughs> what do you think the balance is between that focus on service, which I think, honestly, I think there should be even more conversation about this idea in our industry than there is. So I'm glad that mm-hmm. you highlight it. But mm-hmm. how do you balance mm-hmm. that then with making sure that we don't get taken advantage of, particularly in the context, even of that, that wedding where we're charging per hour? Yeah. So I think, I think that you, I don't want to say that, you know, but like, I think you have a little bit of intuition hmm. or I, I would think you do when, when that happened with, with a bride, she, she was not an, not an emotional wreck, but like, you, you know, everybody expects their wedding day to be perfect. Uh, I mean, we had a bride one time and and you may have, if you have not already had a podcast where you tell wedding horror stories, that might be kind of funny. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, yeah. Um, but I had a, we had a bride one time and her sister was the um, maid of honor and she just left and didn't say anything and came back like an hour later. And she was like, yeah, I had to go pick out some earrings. And everybody was like, what, what in the world? So like if, if something's going a little crazy, compassion, maybe that's, that's what I'm thinking. Hmm, that, yeah. That's a situation where compassion is needed and called for. And you bowing up your chest and talking about the rules of what needs to happen 
is not productive. It's not helpful at that point. And I don't know all the story about the uh, the Instagram, you know, the lady with the Instagram thing. I can I can understand if maybe she's been burned before. Maybe something similar has happened and she felt like maybe now I need to stand up and take some action. So not knowing everything regarding that situation. Sure, sure. But I think I think you have to kind of weigh that out a little bit and make that own decision for yourself. I, you know, it's it's really going to be contextual. It is. It's contextual. It's subjective. Yeah. And, and I did a terrible job of telling the story and kind of tying into what you were saying. But I think what I was no, no, you're good. <laughs> well, part of what I was getting to though is is the, the the point that you're highlighting, which is that there is ultimately I think a a line between mm-hmm. ego. And yeah. then a need for protecting ourselves. And exactly. we have to make sure, I, I think a lot of times, in, in this particular instance, to me, it seemed like there was a lot of ego driving the need mm-hmm. to make a statement. And, and she ultimately lost the suit against Mashable. Um, hmm. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, that you know, Instagram in their policies had kind of covered the bases. But yeah. nonetheless, yeah. It, it just it was confusing to me. Her nonprofit got exposure. So she wasn't actually hurt in the end. And they weren't stealing an image. They were using a public image sharing platform to, to embed this image. But nonetheless, the, the question of ego versus an actual need to protect ourselves, are we actually hurting ourselves by saying, you know what, don't worry about it. We want to take care of you. And th- this extra 45 minutes, I'm, I'm not going to charge you for it. I just want to make sure you get great images for the end of your wedding day or whatever exactly. the context. It seems like an effort in that regard and, and kind of swaying in that direction would ultimately more benefit the business than it would hurt it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think as you were talking, it made me, it, it kind of struck something. I think we've all had either clients, sometimes it's, it's the mother, you know, who will try to exert their will or their force on you. So in that, in a similar situation, if it's somebody pushing yeah. you yeah. and trying to push you into, into something or situation, then I feel like that's kind of where the line starts to get kind of drawn. Well, if you're, yeah, if you're being taken advantage of, and, and that was kind of one of the caveats yeah. to that story I just shared was apparently Mashable originally reached out to the photographer and said, Hey, we'll pay you 50 bucks if you let us use this image in mm. this article. Mm-hmm. She said mm-hmm. no. And then they ended up using the embedded Instagram post. So there is, there's kind of a caveat gotcha. there. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand at least to a point, but at the same time, I'm just thinking, you know what? Like ultimately this brand got so much exposure, mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. brand to get any kind of exposure to advertise on a, on a website like Mashable would have to pay a pretty significant amount of money. Exactly. And, and so simultaneously or similarly in the context of a wedding or a portrait session, whatever it may be, if we go at the extra mile and ultimately serve the client, yeah. the majority of the times that's going to come back to to benefit us, again, potentially on multiple levels, but it speaks well for, the, for our business. And we were able to do that because our focus was on serving and not on trying to maintain some type of ego associated with being an artist or a photographer. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, how many times have you heard someone, you know, let's say for reviews, you see reviews online, you see the the ratio of positive to negative reviews. Yeah. People are very quick to point out when you were a jerk, uh, <laughs> yes. or you know, when you failed. They yeah. love to talk about. They love to tell everybody about that. But and and maybe there's a ratio on how many people are being jerky to to non jerky. But I think, as you're saying, if you will humble yourself a little bit and serve you will hear people talk about that. That goes a long way because people just don't see that as much anymore. We're in such an automated society that uh, that's standing up and standing out. People will talk about that. And that's amazing word of mouth uh, that you can't buy. It's it's true. And, you know, I'll just to kind of close the conversation, but the other thing, and I've mentioned this in the podcast before, 
Um, I come from a pretty religious background, and and the notion of that, that word serve, or the, the notion of service, I think in mm-hmm. some cases maybe has been given a negative connotation for various reasons, which you know we mm-hmm. could spend probably endless hours talking about. But but I think there's actually a really important opportunity for us as photographers in the industry. Uh, to to leverage this idea and it has nothing to do with any type of a belief system it's it's just simply a focus on adding value to somebody else's life yeah. um, knowing a that it's going to benefit them and that b that'll come back around even if it's not immediate it will come back mm. around at some point and and then it's a win-win situation and yeah, yeah there may be exceptions to the rule where we got hurt as a result but I, I just think that that's going to be the minority and ultimately everybody wins in the end when we focus on on serving so exactly uh, man I, I love that we just got to get to dig into that and I appreciate you sharing yeah. your your perspective there let me jump to the next thing though and this is about time and so much of this podcast is about time it's about creating freedom and flexibility for the business owner so that you know we can actually have a life in addition to mm-hmm. running a business yeah, um, yeah what does this look like for you? How do you go about creating space and time for yourself, the important people in your life amidst running a business? So I have five kids. Wow. And and an amazing wife. That's awesome. Um, So time is limited uh, at this season in our life. And, you know, all too soon, the season's going to be gone. And, and uh, so we have to appreciate it while we have it. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, the thing, and as, as you were saying on the spiritual side and whatnot, and I'm not going to go all into that, but my family, we celebrate Shabbat. So Friday night to Saturday night, I stop work. Yeah. I, I mentally take my work hat off and put it away. Sure. And I'm with my family and I'm, I'm intentionally with them. So I know that there is a time for a rest, a time for a break mm-hmm. and a time for relaxation. And whether you, you you're, have that same belief system or not, I think I would encourage people um, make that time or separate that you time, whatever that is, um, and, and guard it, you know, guard it diligently so that you are not always uh, hustling, grinding, all these buzzwords that you hear, <laughs> yep. you know, and I'll, I'll, I'm, I think we might be going over some of that in a minute. So I'm not going to expound too much of there, but, but yeah, all, what was, what was the a quote? All work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy or you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, is that from the shining? Maybe I don't know, but yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to have some time. Uh, you have to have some in, in something I've been re- remembering recently too, especially with, um, having some, you know, a little more downtime recently, is we need thinking time, hmm. dedicated time to think and not have a screen in front of us, yeah. not have work stuff going on. But like, so like I live in the mountains and I think we talked a little bit about this. I live across the mountain from you. You said in North Carolina, right? Yeah. So like I'm about an hour from Chattanooga airport. Oh, wow. Okay, um, cool. So I fly, I flew out of there uh, recently when I went to Spokane, but I'm on about three acres and we have a stream wow. in, our, in the front of our yard and we have turkeys and deer and bear and all kinds of stuff oh my word. Um, come through. So uh, I, I realized, you know, Lee, you need to take more stop and think time. Hmm. It's, almost, it's almost as though we can be jealous of people 200 or more years ago because they didn't have the distractions that we have. And I think uh, I, I almost feel like it's, it's a hindrance at times to us these days to not have that dedicated time to just stop Hmm. anyway. So long way to say, um, have some dedicated time where you're not stressing about things. You're not worrying about things. You are just focusing. I I think I saw that you, uh, ride motorcycles. Is that right? Yeah. I was just thinking, man, I should ride my bike up to visit you. That sounds incredible up there. There you go. Um, I'm sure you've heard of uh, the tale of the dragon. Yeah. Oh, I've ridden it a number of times. 
Okay. So Tale of the Dragon is 20, 30 minutes from, from here. Okay, cool. So it kind of starts over that way. But yeah, so like you need some motorcycle riding time. You need some time other than whatever it is that you do. Yeah. And um, so, so me, I love traveling and I love hanging out with my kids. So uh, sometimes, uh, you know, a Saturday morning, sometimes we'll go uh, over towards, you'll be familiar with this, the Ekoe. Yes. And it, just a beautiful, for those who don't know, just a beautiful mountainous area with a beautiful river. And we'll go, uh, we started going snake hunting. Uh, not like picking snakes up, <laughs> but like like looking for them because we've been watching these YouTube videos where you identify the different you know venomous and non venomous snakes. Wow! Okay. So my my kids, we we saw a couple of copperheads last year, and the kids were able to identify that. So I was super proud of them. But like, so we're like looking to identify little grass snakes and all these things. But it's work is done. It's off my mind. Yeah. I'm not worrying about that. This yeah. is de- intentional, devoted family time. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's a big thing is just what is that going to be? And, uh, and set that and make sure that you do that. Well, and you know, you're talking about the importance of setting time aside just to simply think. And it, and it sounds, yeah. I, I actually kind of feel guilty doing it. I have, I have a wonderful team who's doing all kinds of different work to, to help make our businesses run. Yeah. And I, despite the, despite the fact that I'm an owner and, and the CEO and I'm, I'm, I need to be coming up thinking about the bigger ideas and long-term plans for the company and how do we ultimately go about promoting our brands and so forth. I still kind of feel guilty doing something like sitting down and just brainstorming. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, they're doing all this other work and I'm sitting here, you know, just putting a notebook in. But the reality is as business owners and as, and as mm-hmm. what, you know, we should be treating ourselves as CEOs of the company and running the company as such, yeah. um, we need to create that space and time. And if we don't have that space and time, we need to figure out ways to be able to delegate, automate uh, the, the work that is taking up so much of our time that's keeping us from doing just that because we do need to be thinking big picture. Exactly. I've, I've got a, um, I'm guessing probably a lot of your people have heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, maybe some haven't. Uh, yeah. Okay. We, I've been following him on and off for about 10 years. Um, well, that's, uh, but anyways, so a buddy of mine by the name of uh, Ken Muskowitz, he's a amazing copywriter. He has got a business called ad zombies. Okay. And he uh, knows Gary pretty, pretty good. And Gary told him a few years back, he said, Ken, you are, you are a kind of a visionary and the thinker. He said, you need to have your feet up on the desk thinking a large portion of your time. And he said, you need to, to delegate. And he actually told him to uh, outsource a certain percentage of his business to somebody else who is an implementer. Hmm. And he said, uh, you think and, and let them implement and when he did that, his business went amazing. And um, he's doing really, really well right now. Really cool business. Ken's a really super cool guy. But just so, so I free you, Nathan, from having to feel guilty about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a huge believer in the idea. And, and I mean, ultimately, I've, I've had significant benefit from just giving my brain time to, to kind of freeform think. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and in some cases, you have to even exert the discipline of sitting down in the quiet and doing so. Other times, I've found just a lot of benefit from turning on a podcast episode, and suddenly my, my mind is just going 100 miles an hour and writing down you know, ideas, or I'm messaging one of my employees, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But we have to give ourselves the opportunity to do that. And this notion that we have to be doing busy work all the time ultimately hinders us from thinking big. Yeah. And, and I think even, because I hear what you're saying on the podcast side, that'll give you ideas, but I think quietness. Mm. Like we don't have quietness anymore. 
You know, like Fair. you don't have time to listen to yourself think about things because we always put on a podcast or we always play a video or we always fill in whatever the blank is. Fair. Yeah. You know? But what is that quietness? Uh, what can we come up with in that even? Mm. Uh, so just throwing that out there too. And and I and I don't say that as though I've got that all figured out. I still struggle because I'm super visual. Yeah. So sometimes if I do that, like if I go down near our creek, I'm, I'll probably have to close my eyes because I'm like, Oh, cool. A bug. Oh, cool. <laughs> a crawdad. Oh, yeah. cool. Look at that. A crawdad. Oh, the, That's funny. Yeah. They, the kids pull crawdads out of the creek all the time. Oh, I'm sure. They, yeah. They wouldn't put them back. But, but yeah. So, like, even just total quietness, like, think, think time. Like, it's cool living in the country a little bit without the light pollution to look up at the stars. Yeah. And just think, like, people for however long have looked, just looked up at the stars and the same stars that they're looking at, and you're just going, wow, this is, this is really cool. So, anyways, not say, not negating listening to podcasts. No, obviously, no, no. Obviously, I hear you. Because we're on podcasts. Yeah. But I think, uh, but I think there's, that's a discipline I want to instill even more so in myself and then also in my kids. I'm, I'm right there to, with you. I'm right there thinking. with you. Well, because I think part of it, and I know I can speak personally anyway, but I think we're doing this a lot in culture in general is that that background noise becomes a distraction of, of some sorts. And the, the exactly. idea of actually being in the quiet and being with our thoughts mm-hmm. can be disconcerting at times, whatever the reason might be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and you made a great point. Sitting in the quiet gives us the opportunity to actually face those and and address them and um, mm-hmm. and then ideally let them go too. I mean that's the whole idea behind meditation. Um, at least as uh, Michael Singer, I'm a huge fan of the author Michael Singer, and he talks about meditation in the context of seeing thoughts in and then seeing them out. So you're acknowledging okay. them. Um, it's not mm-hmm. that you're trying to push them away because the moment we try to push them away, then we just naturally think about them. But we see yeah, them. Yeah. We see them in, and then we see them out. And, and I'll literally sit down and in the process of meditating, I've, I've done that very thing. And it actually is really, really effective. You acknowledge it and then you see it out and you acknowledge it, and mm-hmm. you see this out. And by the time you do that for even five minutes, potentially 10, 15 minutes, you end up in this really deep meditative state that's, that's really beautiful, but it, it gives you the opportunity to kind of clear your mind. And then that would yeah. probably put you in a really great space to then do some brainstorming with a clear head in the quiet. Yeah. I think it's a really, really, really great reminder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned delegation or outsourcing. Is, is this something that you've experimented with in your business? Have you saved any time as a result? Yeah. So the funny thing is this, like copywriting, I outsource my copywriting. Okay. Uh, as you know, from the story brand side of things, and I mean, for like my landing pages, web page kind of a thing, as you're familiar with story brand and maybe your audiences that you may have talked about the curse of knowledge, and for those who don't know, essentially the curse of knowledge is when you're so close to your topic, you're, you're inundated and you're deep into it. It's yeah. hard for you to speak objectively about yeah. that thing. Blinders on, right? Exactly. So um, when I was getting the copy ready, I have an online course SL. And when I was getting the copy ready for that, I had gone through and asked a bunch of people who struggle with creating video from their phone uh, or video themselves even. And I asked them the questions and the problems that they had. And they told me that and I compiled all that and then I gave it to my friend who is an amazing copywriter. And I said, this is what people are saying. Write the words to make that make sense. Hmm. Because I've done a good chunk of copywriting. Um, I don't know if, are you familiar with Ray Edwards at all? He's connected with StoryBrand. No. He runs in the same circles as uh, like Dan Millers and Don Millers and okay. uh, all these people. But um, Does he have amazing- a website as well? Yeah, Ray Edwards. I believe it's rayedwards.com. Okay, cool. Um, he uh, he's written for like Tony Robbins and um, Frank Kern, all the, you know, lots of big fancy people. <laughs> but um, but anyways, 
you know, so I'm, I'm taking copywriting stuff from him and, and I've helped people with their copywriting. But when it comes to mine, I was like, I'm too close to it. So let me get somebody else in on this who is not, doesn't have the blinders, like you're saying. Yeah. Another thing is video editing. I still do some video work for people, but what I'd rather do is just shoot some video and hand it off to somebody who's much better at the editing process than I am. And then some graphic design, I can do certain things, but I'm not a graphic designer. So I'll outsource graphic design and not deal with that because I think that's a super important thing. Uh, the, the packaging, visual packaging, if you will. And I don't want to make it look like a five-year-old uh, put that <laughs> together <laughs> for my business. Um, so I'm sitting there going, does this color match this color? Yeah. You know, oh, what about this font? I'm going, no, 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 no. Don't even, don't even stress with that. So yeah, find out what you're not great at and get somebody else to do that thing. Hmm. That's, that's really my advice. No, that's really good. And yeah, I mean, it is funny what some of our, myself included, by the way, whether it was, you know, an attempt at designing a logo or putting mm-hmm. a website together or for that matter, writing copy. Uh, with some of some of my stuff over the years has just been so bad. Yeah. And yeah. Like you said, like a child tried to put it together. And it really yeah. is better that we that we go ahead and find somebody who actually knows what they're doing and give that thing to them. We save the time. We didn't have the space to do the things we were talking about earlier to, mm-hmm. to be the CEO. Um, how much, how much time do you think on average, maybe that you save in a week as a result of delegation? I would say, I don't know exactly time, time wise, because it's, it's typically bigger projects like that. Okay. Um, you know, that coming up with all the copy, who knows how long it took the actual copywriter, but for me, it would have, let's say for a landing page uh, or for a website, it would have taken me multiple revisions. It would have taken me hours to, to get everything right. And, and just, I'm, I'm not a writer. Like I remember being in school and my teacher asked us what we did over the summer. And I said, I went to the beach and, and she was like, you've got to write more than that. I was like, <laughs> It was fun. I it was I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I think uh, I don't I don't know time wise exactly, but but I know impact has been significant. So well, so, we yeah. we don't talk about it here a lot on on the podcast, but you know the one of the biggest ways that photographers can save time is outsourcing editing. You mentioned yeah. outsourcing video editing earlier. I mm-hmm. mean, the average wedding photographer probably spends between twelve and sixteen hours a wedding editing a wedding. Multiply that out times twenty thirty. And yep. just the um, massive amounts of time that, that photographers could save just by delegating that work elsewhere to a company like Photographers Edit, a uh, little shout out there. there uh, you then, there then, you know, you'd, you'd have so much of your life back for, for the important people in your life to do the things that will actually grow your business, to be the CEO. Um, I think it's really important. So, I, again, I appreciate yeah. you sharing your perspective on that. And it's a good reminder for all of us. Well, and, and the thing, just to say one other thing on that sure. is even when I was photographing about 10 years ago, where, and I've listened to some of your other podcast stuff, I love shooting film. There's just, I was, I was hearing, I was checking things off going, okay, this dude's cool. I like this. Even, even uh, back then, um, it was a struggle to give up the, that, that, uh, or to delegate that task. Mm. You know, I shot these images how can somebody else edit them Yeah. until we sent them off to somebody else and they came back and, w- and we went, whoa, yep. that's way better. Yep. And I didn't spend all this time, click, click, you know, adjust, you know, exposure, blah, 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 blah. Um, we also outsourced our uh, album design. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we were doing certain album, certain types of albums and whatnot, mm-hmm. anything like that, that I, I guess I would say this again, going back to what I was saying earlier, what is the thing you're great at? What is that zone of genius that you have? And do that and 
get other people to to do the other things, do the yeah. other things that 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 you don't excel at, yeah. um, because they can probably do it better. Some of them can. Obviously, they're going to save you that time, but it's going to let you focus. Uh, and free up that time. Yes. Uh, and I understand that everybody can't do that. I mean, there's photographers out there who are just, you know, breaking even. They're just kind of getting, so it's not like everybody has a bunch of money. They can spend it all over the place. But what is that first little step you can take? Um, that first few things you can delegate and don't pass up. And I say this kind of funny because I feel like an old dude saying it, but I guess technically I'm getting to old dude status. Think about the young people in your life, the 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever folks who are creatives who would thrive on something like that? Are, are there, are there folks who, who, you know, 17, maybe they're uh, going into college and they're graphic wanting to study graphic design and they have an eye for it. I sent you a, a photograph um, earlier when we were talking of a young man and he was 17 and he was a, an amazing graphic designer. Hmm. And we worked on a project called um, designers against child slavery. And, designers from all over the world designed art pieces. His name is John Mark Kerskind. I'll give him a shout out. They designed all these art pieces and shipped them to Columbia, South Carolina. They did all this work and it freed young ladies. I think it was in Thailand from the sex trade industry. And this is a 17 year old young man who did an amazing work. Is there someone like that in your life that you can give them an opportunity to shine? So anyways, just throw, throw that out there. I get very, I get very, not emotional, but like excited about certain things. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there really are opportunities, even you know whether it's bringing somebody on that you know, family friend, or mm-hmm. having an intern, or hiring somebody part time. Or you know, I mentioned photographers edit, but it's, yeah, it's only yeah, a yeah. couple hundred bucks to to be able to send out images to, for us to edit, and mm-hmm. you can add a couple hundred dollars to your wedding package, and now you've got thousands of dollars worth of time back, literally. Exactly. And for the sake of time, I won't break that down now, but I, I guarantee you, it's literally thousands of dollars worth of time that you get back, and that's just from one wedding. The, the time you say with one wedding. So taking yeah. advantage of that's a good, a good thing. You mentioned film earlier and, and I'll kind of end with this because we have a pretty big topic to dig into, but um, the, you know, the difference, cause I, I did start on film. I was shooting weddings on film and you'd send the rolls of film off. They get developed, they come back, you give them to your clients. It was just very, very simple. And when things transition, transition to digital, Photographers suddenly got excited about the idea that they could process their own images. Yeah. And it's, it's a brilliant example, I think, of one of those situations where somebody does it, a business owner does the thing because they can, not because they should. Exactly. The opportunity is there, so they just they gravitate toward it and they do it. And then they begin to kind of pile on their their perspective or project ideas onto it. Like, you know, my clients won't be happy unless I do this thing. Um, which is largely a misnomer. So I I think it's a really great example of we can do it, but should we do it? And in most cases, we shouldn't. And and so look for opportunities, whether it's editing or album design or admin work or anything of the sort, look for opportunities to delegate that. Yeah, and that's perfect. And I I don't know anything about, uh, obviously, you've got your, uh, you got the editing. Uh, You're not paying me anything to say this, but (laughs) but I I don't know how to preface it otherwise. If it's, let's say it's 200 bucks or 300 bucks, whatever it is, immediately cut that out of what you bring in as cost of doing business. Sure. It's just gone. Like, just don't even think about that. And, and that's, that's the thing that we had to kind of get over once we understood Okay, that's just an expense. Just like you might have, you know, if you travel, you have to pay for a hotel or, or, or whatever the thing is. Yeah. What What is an expense? Okay, that's just an expense. It just goes already where you're already done with it. You don't even think about it. And if you can get, if you can go approach it from that direction, it's perfect. It's perfect service. 
Cool. Well, thanks for the the, the little promotion the there. Plug. And yeah, uh, yeah, for yeah. anybody who's curious, <laughs> photographersedit.com, who is, go. by the way, a sponsor, of course, of this podcast. But let me ask you one more question before we dig into how to book more clients with video. Yeah. Impactful business or self-help book. We've mentioned a couple already. Is there a particular one that comes to mind that's made a big difference in your life? Two, obviously, building a story brand, super, super important. I think your audience might you know, know enough about that one, so I won't go super deep into that one. Another one for me, one I like a lot, is a lady by the name of Shay Bynes. It's a book called Grace Over Grind, okay. and it's just the concept, and it, it does come from a Christian perspective, but um, it has the concept of today in our world, everything is hustle, grind, mm. and I heard you talk about recently, you don't want to work 60 to 80 hours, right? Right. And the definition of hustle is to force someone to move hurriedly or unceremoniously in a specified direction. Hmm. And the word grind is hard or dull work. So when you hear people say, I'm hustling, I'm grinding, I'm going, I don't want to, I don't want hard or dull work. (laughs) Um, I want fun work that I'll enjoy doing. Yeah. But the word I prefer is diligence, which is careful and persistent work or effort. So it's careful, but it's also persistent. Hmm. And that's what I want to be known as, is doing diligent work. So that is kind of, the book goes into a lot more stuff like that. But but um, when I hear people say, I'll eat when I'm dead or all these other things, I'm like, I didn't you know, create a business so I can be a slave to a business. Exactly. Um, you hear everybody say, I want a, to business for freedom, but you look and they're up at, you know, four in the morning trying to, you know, edit this or do whatever. And I'm like, you've just created your own slave, but you're your own master. It's just kind of a little weird. It really um, is weird. And, and yeah, no, it, there's so little conversation about that because you're right. Yeah. I mean, these days in culture and, and actually largely thanks to Gary Vaynerchuk, there is all this conversation about hustle. I'm a huge fan of Gary, but when he yeah. talks about the fact that he only sees his families on the weekend, I, I just, I, it's hard to buy into that really on any yeah. level and to mm-hmm. each his own, but that just doesn't work for me. I'd rather, you know, make whatever $60,000 a year and work 25 hours a week than, yeah. than to work 80 hours a week and make 500 grand a year, or his millions. It just yeah, doesn't, yeah. It doesn't add up for me. Well, and you hear that there's the old joke, you probably heard this, where it says, you know, you, you leave, you don't want to work as an employee. So you leave working in, you know, 40 hours a week in order to be your own boss and work 60 to 80 hours a week. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to trade that. That doesn't sound like a good trade off. Right, so right. we got to figure out ways to not do that. Cool. Well, we'll link to uh, both Story Brand and then Grace Over Grind in the show notes, bocapodcast.com for anybody listening in who's not seen those show notes before. Make sure you're taking advantage of them. And uh, in addition to the resources that we link there, we'll also put the, I say we, Haley, who produces the show, will actually put the, <laughs> the talking points there in the show notes. And, and that is really a great segue to our main point of conversation today, which is, has to do with booking clients with video and not just video, but video on our phone. And this is something that, that is a specialty of yours, uh, Lee, and we're going to dig into it. But yeah. your business helps business owners do this very thing. Why specifically video, number one? And, and then secondly, why specifically on our phones? Yeah. So, um, video is really, really powerful because I found that video helps develop the know, like, and trust factor. Hmm. It gives you, it gives people that personalized glimpse into your world. So when, uh, as I was kind of looking at some of your stuff, I saw the, uh, photographers edit video that you did. And I didn't realize that's the, 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 uh, other site, but you were, you were laughing. It was your outtakes, yeah, I yeah. guess. And you were laughing and you were like, Oh shoot. Uh, 
uh, and then you'd, you'd say the wrong thing or whatever. Yep. And it made me chuckle. And <laughs> if I was someone who would, uh, or a couple things. So there's vulnerability there, right? right? You were willing to show your screw ups. Right. You were, you were authentic. You weren't polished and perfect. And then if I were looking for a photographer, I go, this dude seems like he's pretty cool. I can do business with him. He seems like a cool guy. Hmm. And had I only seen just a photo of Nathan, I don't know if you're cool or a jerk or what, you know, anything. I don't know anything about you. Um, I just see here's somebody who put on their best possible face as yeah. a photographer, right? Did their hair the coolest way. Yes. Has the best lighting and whatever. And they could be a complete, you know, whatever. It, it reminds me actually, because this has become hilariously common now. I mean, like almost predictable when mm-hmm. you go to Instagram profiles or, you know, the occasional Friday introductions or whatever the theme is where a, a photographer is posting an introduction of themselves on their Instagram feed. Mm-hmm. And it, and it so many times it's this picture of them kind of throwing their head back and laughing for whatever reason, at least in our industry, that's become the yeah, popular yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I, that's just, that's what popped into my head when you were talking about that, because the video, you can't fake it. Right. I mean, exactly. When, when you have something, especially like an outtakes video anyway, uh, we, that outtakes video was like a compilation of an effort at recording. I don't know, maybe it may have just been from one ad that Haley and I were trying to record mm-hmm. and we ended up with all these outtakes and we figured we'd just put them out there. It is a really funny video, but you can't, you can't hide behind something like that. Whereas with a picture, exactly. you can take a split second, put a smile on, throw your head back, hold a cup of coffee, whatever the end thing is to do in the moment. Yeah. 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 And, and then, you're putting this picture out there, which I mean, ultimately may portray what you're wanting to, but it, mm-hmm. it keeps some of the the vulnerability from happening. Yeah, yeah, and and the other thing I would say too, just piggybacking off of that, is you know when I was leaving the industry, there were, all you needed was a website and a camera, and you were a professional photographer. And I say that with like little air quotes. Sure. And I'm guessing it's probably still a similar situation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but th- you know, there's a million photographers out there. And once you get to a certain level of quality, as much as we'd love to think that our, od- our potential audience sees all the nuances and the creative differences between you know ourselves and a competitor who's also really good, oftentimes they don't see that. Hmm. They see they see uh, you know if if you've got a photographer who is really good and another photographer who's really good, and they both are just taking amazing images. The thing that I tell people, even outside of the photography world, is the thing that separates you from from all your competitors is you. Like they are actually buying into you. And uh, if you think about a bride hiring a photographer for her wedding day, she's going to find some people that she she's going to find you know three to five people, let's say, who she likes the work of. Right? Um, she's she's going to look for those. But then, is that somebody she wants to spend eight, ten, twelve hours? in a day with, do they make her nervous? Do they, uh, do they listen to her? There was a photographer and obviously I'm not naming names or whatnot, but he did excellent work, but he was rude and mean. And he told like an old, this old guy to hurry up. Uh, he had like a cane and he was just a total, a total, uh, whatever I'm not gonna say, but, uh, people do, uh, want to have somebody that they can look at as, as somebody who's going to hold their hand and, and walk them through this process because mm-hmm. they don't know. Sure. And I think that is the thing that can help you. I think th- all that to be said, I think video can help you to be relatable and be that person that they go, Oh, okay. Nathan seems like a cool guy. He, he can laugh at himself. He can be real. 
he seems like somebody that I would like to hang out or, or have with me on the most important day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously that's on the wedding side, the commercial side too. Like you don't want somebody who's rude. You don't want somebody's whatever you want, somebody that you can relate to a little bit that you can interact with, that you can do business with. And I think video gives folks a little bit of a glimpse into that. Yeah, yeah. So that's the video side because a lot of, I mean, there's, I say a lot, but some photographers, of course, many photographers actually at this point have access to really great DSLRs that have both yep. camera and video. So they can just pop that that camera on a on a tripod and shoot some video of themselves if they want to. Why specifically phones? Gotcha. So, and that's a great question. And I'll, I'll preface it and say this too. I shoot video from my phone. I shoot video from my SLR, from my computer, all, all different formats. I think the thing that with phone that's powerful though is oftentimes it's more impromptu. It's a little more raw. It's a little less polished and a little more behind the scenes because as photographers, we like the perfect image, right? Sure. We, you know, as, and if you can really achieve that. <laughs> right. So you get, you know, let's, let's, let's kind of go through, like if you do an SLR type video, you are really going to be focused on making sure everything looks right. And then you're going to take that, that whether it's Wi-Fi or your card, whatever, you're probably going to then stick it in your computer and you're going to start tweaking it. You want to get your lighting right. You want to get your this right, you know, blah, blah. And then by the time you're done, you sat there and you're editing and spending all this time on a video. And obviously there are more formal videos and more informal videos. And I'll, I'll say that, but we can be nitpicky and so focused on making the video look perfect and totally lose the power and, um, and some of the message uh, had we not pulled out our phone and shot something a little more behind the scenes, a little more real, a little more vulnerable and impromptu. And um, I feel like that is why phone video can be really, really powerful. Do you feel like it needs to be a particular phone or these days is the quality good enough in most phones that you can, no. you can use whatever? No, most, most phones that you know, are going to shoot some video kind of video are going to be decent. Obviously, if you have like an iPhone two, uh, that's going to be a little more <laughs> actually <laughs> little iPhone two. I don't even know if it had video at that point. Did it? Oh, did it? Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I, I just think that there is, I think there is, uh, something about intentionally, my wife would say not don't or not like intentionally not making it perfect mm. that, uh, in polished, and letting, you know, if I can dare say this, letting your lighting not be quite right, or, you know, maybe your hair isn't exactly perfect this time. Um, and I've got a couple of clients, uh, photographers, they, they're just doing an excellent job with that and just being a little more honest and real. And when you do that, it lets people go, okay, they're not per, um, perfect. Just to compare it to something. When I was at, um, a marketing event a few years back. It was like 6,000 person marketing event in San Diego. You would have the guys who would show up with their perfect hair. They parked right up front in front of the convention center and they would get out of their Lamborghini uh, or their Ferrari, whatever it was, and walk to the front so they could be seen. So they could be seen as having it all together and being that, you know, well put together person. Sure. Um, and I often found in con conversing with people, the people I wanted to interact with were the person who were usually in some in a pair of jeans. Sometimes they had a little weird baseball hat, but they sold a hundred thousand dollars that month on Amazon. Wow! And they looked just like some person next door. Right. Right. So you you it's almost as though you can't relate to somebody who's always on, always polished. Everything's always perfect. 
So again, and that's kind of, that kind of went, went super long. Yeah. But the relatability um, factor that, that definitely makes sense. And I can see, I can definitely see the difference between what happens when I turn on my DSLR and then when I use my phone, I'm still guilty of trying to make the, even the phone videos a bit too perfect, I think. And I need to relax a little bit. I think that's a, a really great reminder actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot that you can really do and you can still, you know, make it look, I mean, I, I still find myself uh, looking for certain types of light. Yes. If, if I'm, you know, if I'm at the very least. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, just, you know, you're pointing yourself this way versus this way. You're not backlit. You, there's things like that. And I think those are always be things that, that I like, cause I just feel like that's a tool in our toolbox that we know of um, that we can utilize. Now, this is something that that's being done already. And I mean, by so many photographers on Instagram, on Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. What are the opportunities beyond these platforms that you're helping photographers with? Yeah. So let me say one thing before that Sure, is I feel like it's oftentimes assumed that photographers are just doing this. I think oftentimes there, there, there seem to be people who are a little more on the cutting edge of things, Okay, I guess you could say, but I talk to a lot of people. I can think of four photographers right now who are not using any video content. Um, on, any, on any of the social media platforms. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got and it. if they are, they're using only something with like B-roll and some music. Sure. Uh, they're not talking. It's the thing. They're not interacting with their audience. Hmm. They're not being them. They're not letting their audience into their world. Yeah. So there are a lot of folks who are, for whatever reason, it's usually one of, you know, three things. It's usually either they have, they suffer from some imposter syndrome or maybe an appearance kind of thing. It's usually not the techie side. That's usually people outside of the photography industry, but it's much easier to be behind the camera than in front of the camera. Um, and any of us who know who shot for a long time and all of a sudden you're stuck on the other side, you're like, Oh, this is a little bit, a little different when it's pointed at you. But I think just, just having that opportunity to, to, talk with them, be with them, talk about things that are important to them. I think, uh, you miss out. If you don't do that, you're missing out on that, um, that opportunity to yeah. really, uh, be separated. And that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right on that, that it's, it's easy to assume that a lot, that a lot or even many potentially even most photographers are on these platforms. And the reality is you kind of see the top, however many people that are doing it. And then mm-hmm. uh, there's thousands of photographers that probably aren't. So let's actually start then with, I mean, and, and actually before we talk about technique and the approach to creating videos, is there beyond the platforms that I already mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are, are we talking about like, for example, you sent me an email when, when you first approached me about doing the podcast, it was kind of cool. Actually, you sent me an email through what was the platform that you used? It's a platform called bomb bomb. It's a video email platform. Bomb bomb. Um, okay. Yeah, I, super cool. And it is cool. The only thing that, that still, and maybe you know something that I don't, I, I have yet to find a platform that actually lets you embed the video in the email. So somebody always has to, you always have to click to go to a website to actually watch the video, which is the reason I haven't gotten into this yet. But nonetheless, I thought it was cool that you sent me in, rather than just sending me a, a text-based email, you sent me the email that had the thumbnail for the video. You click on on the link or on that thumbnail and it takes you to the video and you actually made a personal introduction, even called me out with a little sign that had my name on it, which was kind of cool and made it personal. And yeah. you actually took the time to, to connect on a more personal level that way. And, and I, I love it it's so much more than just a regular old email. The platform, I mean, beyond these social media platforms that we're all aware of that we're supposed to be you know, on doing video on, are there other platforms as well that you try to teach business owners to use? Yeah. And, and I think too, you know, some, some of these things, and I'll give you a couple other ideas. Some of these, 
photographers, because you have the tools, some, some of the times you're going to use your DSLR. Other times you're going to use your, you know, you can use your phone for it. But a couple other things you can do is creating what I kind of call a website hello video. Okay. Um, so like if you hit my website and you click on it, I, uh, you see a quick video of me. I'm like, hey, Lee here with Simple Video School. If you're clicking on this, you're probably wanting to learn more about blah, 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 blah. It's just, a, it's just a very short video under a minute. And I'm just talking. If you have something in particular you want them to do. So maybe you say, um, I know I was listening to a podcast. Someone was talking about bourgeois photography or children's portraits, or, you know, whatever you do. You can tell them where things are where to click on things. You can talk about your call to action button. You can talk about a little bit about the passion as to why you like doing what you do. And I think that's another powerful thing on the video side is people can hear that passion in your voice. Yeah. Um, if you ever run into somebody and they're passionate about something, you can, you can see it, you can hear it, you can hear that tonality. So that's, that's kind of one thing, uh, kind of doing a little video there okay. on, on um, uh, that. A video series is super powerful. And for those who don't know what that is, it's basically a series of videos that tell your audience something. So I had a client, she was a wedding photographer, kind of destination weddings. And she was kind of getting the thing where you get inquiries and brides are talking to all these other folks and then they want your pricing and then you send over your pricing and you wait around um, to find out if they decided to pick you or not. Um, so in, when, when people were reaching out, you know, we talked through a little bit of strategy and said, what if we create a little video series called three things you need to know before choosing a wedding photographer. And, um, it was just three very simple videos, about two minutes a piece. And she put these on a little, a little landing page. For those of you who don't know, it's kind of like a one page, little simple website. And whenever somebody would reach out, she'd say, you know, Oh yeah, here's my information. And then also don't forget to check out my short video series called three things you need to know before choosing a wedding photographer. And she was getting people that would reach back out to her and go, I'm ready to book because they watched it. They felt like they could identify with her. They seemed she, the way she carried herself and talked, hmm, okay. they liked that and they liked her and they didn't need anything else. I I'm a big believer in video series. I've seen it work for so many different industries. So that's definitely something again, you can, and it, and it costs you other than shooting it and kind of putting it together. It's something that you can use, you know, story brand talks about some kind of a lead magnet or, or whatever. It's something you use over and over and over and um, can be very powerful for your business. I actually have a, a wedding venue that's doing done a similar thing and it's things that they need to know before picking a venue. So they actually have that as just a, it's actually a freebie. Sometimes people will opt in or have you opt in for an email. You know, I don't know necessarily if, if uh, people will need that depending on the, the photography industry they're in. But again, people watch that and they look to you as you're teaching and you're an authority and you're a guide in their world at that point versus somebody else who just sent over a PDF of their pricing and, you know, not much else and a picture of themselves. So that's something I think that's powerful. Anybody can, um, can do. Obviously we talked about video emails, um, sending something like that. Yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, doing that because the personal touch is kind of there. Um, and you can interact with folks. So that's been super cool. And, and texting, you're using video content when you're texting somebody, if you ever get people that text you, it just kind of really depends upon, um, you know, instead of just texting something back, why not just pull out your phone real quick and say, Hey, thanks for inquiring. Uh, that same kind of thing could be done on uh, like direct messages. I'm big on LinkedIn and I know that might not necessarily be the, 
the platform a lot of your folks are on, but I'll often send a quick video reply. And it's just something to stand out, do something different and separate yourself uh, from the pack. One last thing I would say too, is frequently asked question uh, section okay. uh, on your website. And um, this is really powerful. You can shoot your videos, whether it's phone or SLR or whatever, and put them on your website. And, um, and you can utilize those when people have certain questions. You can either send videos from your website. You can send them from YouTube, whatever it is. If you're asking or answering the same questions 100 times, that is having like a little resource, video resource library is another kind of cool thing uh, that you can make. Interesting. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, we, we incorporate some video on our, um, on our support site at Photographer's Edit as well. So the intro video cool. on the site, uh, then a video series on a particular topic, Mm-hmm. video emails. Uh, we mentioned the, the platform bomb bomb is an example and then FAQs. So these are places where photographers can potentially utilize video to ultimately more effectively connect with their clients when they're actually creating these videos though, what would you say are a few ways that business owners hurt their efforts in the process? Is there something that photographers might be doing wrong? Yeah. So I think number one is not being themselves kind of faking it till you make it kind of a deal. Just be real. Okay. Like, you know, people can read fake and, uh, and it's kind of like lying. When you lie, you have to make more lies to cover up the past lies and yeah. you, you start fumbling around. Yeah. Just be you. Uh, there will be people who will be attracted to you, to your personality. And there yeah. will be people who are not, and that's okay. Right. I think we need to understand that that's perfectly okay. So just be you be real. If you're bubbly, then be bubbly. If you're more kind of stoic and, 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 focused, be more, be more that way. And, um, and you're going to attract the right kind of folks in that. I think two is kind of rambling. Sometimes you'll have an idea or concept and you're just rambling on and on and on and on and on. And at a certain point it's like, okay, got it. You can stop now. Uh, and- <laughs> this is my, I have to say, and, and kind of break the fourth wall here for all of our listeners, my apologies for the 400 episodes <laughs> or whatever that I've recorded and all the times that I have rambled, because this is a massive weakness of mine. I have so much work to do in this area. I, th- I think we can all, I mean, but, but that typically happens when you're passionate about something. Sure. Right? sure. Like you can talk all day. Like some, um, I was helping a client. She is a, uh, as a business coach and she was needing some, like a script. She felt like she needed a script of what to say because she felt like she was going to ramble. Hmm. And she typed everything up and put it on her MacBook. I was working with her when I was in Spokane. So we had a very limited time to get this, you know, help with this video. And she went through it like five times and she kept stopping and messing up and whatever. And I said, Marissa, do you know this stuff? She was like, yeah. I said, let's close the laptop. And we closed it. And in two, two videos, she, she nailed it. Wow. Um, and the pat because the passion was there, she already knew this. Yes. Uh, you don't have to have it done perfectly. And in fact, a little bit of imperfections, a little bit of messing your words up, you know, all that is, is good because it makes people feel like you're relatable. You yes. don't have it all put together. Yes. No, that's really good. Third thing I would just say is negative talk. I learned a long time ago from a photographer when I was first starting out. Okay. So I used to be part of uh, professional photographers. I was in South Carolina, Yeah, professional photographers in South Carolina. And I, uh, I was starting off and I was young and dumb. So you have to forgive me. But I was saying things, some things like, are you tired of photographers bragging about award, all these awards they've won that you've never even heard of? 
And um, which I, by the way, I still think is funny, but yes, please continue. I, I do. I do. And then it was funny though, because once I started winning some of the awards, uh, like I, I was able to win some stuff from like Kodak and yeah. some other kind of cool stuff. Yeah. I was like, that's, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, but it's okay, I but it, it didn't book you your next wedding. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I was basically raining on their parade. Right. And I had a, a photographer who kind of took me aside. He was a kind of older dude in the, in the game. And he said, and he and his wife actually said, you know, the negativity side is just not becoming, Yeah. Uh, even if you don't necessarily agree with something or whatever, you don't have to trash it. So I think, and I, and I don't see this a ton, thankfully, but when I do see it, it kind of makes me cringe a little. It's kind of like, Ugh. you know, so you want to be very careful that you're not slandering or just knocking stuff because it takes all kinds of people, right? Hmm. Um, some people like certain things and some people don't. And if you don't like, uh, your mama, the old, old saying about if your mom, your mama tell you, if you don't have anything nice to say, then, uh, then don't, <laughs> don't say anything. Say yeah. <laughs> I, I think this, you know, it's, it, you've seen this just in general in our culture, particularly on social media, where people have this, this felt freedom to just kind of talk about whatever. And in, yeah. in many cases, unfortunately in the last year or two in particular, under the guise of, you know, being quote unquote vulnerable, and, yeah. and I'm like, nobody, nobody really actually benefits from you going on and on and on and on about your problems all the time. A yeah, little bit yeah. of it might be helpful, especially if you're able to, to, you know, add value to somebody sharing, not just the struggles that you've had, but what you've learned from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. but negativity, negativity, you summed it up brilliant. It's just not becoming yeah. whatever the negativity is. And so let that be a, a minimal part of it, if, if anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, his name, the gentleman's name was John, uh, John Reitenberry. He was an amazing guy yeah. who, who, who told me that and his wife, um, which was actually really cool because I, I noticed when I was looking through the people who were following your page, I, I noticed a couple old friends from back in the day. Oh, cool. Um, so if John, if you're out there listening, I really appreciate you, buddy. That was a, <laughs> a game changer of a, uh, of a comment that you left for me, for me there. Well, and back to the the point about rambling, then we're going to talk about kind of the proactive steps photographers can yeah, take yeah. In, in creating video. But the other thing about rambling, at least that I've found uh, myself, is that if I'm not clear about what it is that I want to say, then I'm spending yeah. time kind of talking through the idea until I land on some version of it that I'm finally comfortable with. Exactly. Versus being really clear about what it is that I want to say to begin with and then going in and saying it. And that's really helped. I mean, I've gone to the extent when I go to record a piece of video content of um, preparing or just saying it out loud. Like I I could be literally driving to the location where I'm going to shoot this content Mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll say it out loud in the car. And, and so that by the time I get to the place, I'm pretty much ready with the idea. I know how I'm going to frame it, how it's exactly. going to flow. And it makes it way easier at that point because I know what it is that I'm actually trying to say versus just hoping to land on it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and the thing is like, you know, you know, your stuff. Like I, I could say, you know, Nathan, tell me about, you know, Aperture, and, you know, tell me a little bit about Aperture. And you could probably talk for 10 minutes about Aperture and, <laughs> right. you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, you know that stuff. And photographers know these things, but um, their audience doesn't know right. a lot of stuff right. uh, that, that we know. This, again, it's that curse of knowledge. I've got a poster actually in my office. It, it says, it's an old poster, like a retro poster from the 30s, I think, or 20s. And it says, say it with snap. Hmm. It says, long-winded talkers uh, waste time for themselves, for those who listen. So when you say, when you have something to say, get to the point. And it's <laughs> yeah. just, a, it's just a funny, uh, it's a funny old poster that just reminds me, you know, get in there with a message, you know, serve, get out. Yes. 
kind of a thing. No, that's that's a really good reminder. Okay, but let's move forward then. I mean, that's the things yeah, yeah. we need to avoid doing. What yep. are a few things specifically that photographers can do right the second that, that many cases they're probably not doing to more effectively use video on their phone as a marketing tool in their business? Yeah. So, so one thing I, I wanted to give you kind of a quick thing that they can take their phone out right now and do okay. and, um, and start utilizing because obviously actionable content is something that you want and not um, just all talk. So one thing that I found to be very, very powerful is to use or to answer questions that people have. Okay. And one of my clients does this amazingly well. Um, Alex uh, Hyman, think about the things that your, your potential clients are asking, or maybe, you know, questions that they've been asking. What are really common things? Um, so maybe let's say you're, you, you photograph families, a common question they hear all the time is what are we supposed to wear? We don't have any idea. Um, we, can we wear this kind of thing or wear that kind of thing or whatever? What does the session typically look like? How long does it take? What should I expect? Like get into the minds of, and, and maybe you take a poll and write it write these things down, but, and I, which I think is what they did, but get into the minds of whatever type of photography you're doing, uh, get into the minds of your audience and, and find out what those questions are and write those down. Uh, step two is start creating individual videos for each one of those things where you're talking about it and okay. answering the question. Okay. And then from there, start posting that content to, um, to your social stuff. And then also if you want to do like a FAQ type video, but if you are showing up and you're telling story, you can actually add stories to that. So uh, maybe you tell a story about, a mom who was felt like she was really going to be overwhelmed because getting her kids all together and, you know, making sure everybody's went to the bathroom and all this kind of stuff. But you tell that little bit of a story and you say, but what we did is we actually said, this is really all you need to do. You, you need to do this and do that and just give them the clear steps, hmm. like step one, two, three, yeah. this is how, I mean, from, and you know that from the story brand side, this is uh, really all you need to do. And like, it's just that knowledge of going, Oh, okay. Because, people kind of sometimes fear what they don't understand or know. Right. Um, so if you can virtually walk them through that, then you've, you've alleviated some stress and you have just won a big battle. Uh, that's, you know, you've, you've stopped the blockade, something that can give them reason. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll put it off later or I'll, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll do this later or something. I I'm worried that my kids are going to be going crazy or whatever. Hmm. And, and so anyways, I think, I think, just talking about the things that your people are, are uh, asking about can be really, really uh, strong. And the more you can do that, I think the more they will keep seeing you because oftentimes I'll say the first time they see you on social somewhere, it's like, who is this guy? And the second time is the, Oh, that's that photographer guy. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, yeah, I've seen him before. And it's like, next time it's like, Oh, what's his name? And then the next time it's like, Oh, okay. That's Nathan. Okay. And then the next time it's like, Oh, it's another Nathan video. Oh, cool. Okay. What's Nathan talking about this time? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's the familiarity starts to kind of come in there, but if you're serving them and answering those questions, you're just really dropping that guard down. And again, you're positioning yourself as that authority. So that's kind of a one, two, three that, that folks can kind of, I love it. Um, 
kind of do. Well, and, and ultimately, I mean, you're adding value to that potential client or to the client. And, and that's always so, so important too. So answer common questions your clients have, figure out, you know, make a list of them. And I love the idea of potentially surveying clients too, to get that, to create that initial list and then create the individual videos to answer those questions. And of course, we've mentioned a variety of platforms in which you could do this. You could literally use all the platforms we mentioned and all the styles of video that you mentioned to mm-hmm. do this very thing, which I think is great. And you know what might even make it even more, I mean, if you're going to tell a story to mm-hmm. use as an example to answer the question, mixing in a couple of um, pictures from that particular event yeah. and the story that yeah. you're referencing would just color it that much more, which I think is really cool. And then posting the social media and, of course, your website as well. This is I love the simplicity and the actionability, if you will, um, of yeah. this. This is really good. And when, let me add one other thing, too. Like two other kind of ideas I've seen. Um, I photographed a long time ago, a gentleman who his wife suddenly passed away in the middle of the night. My father, uh, for those who don't know, my father passed away very suddenly in the middle of the night when I was 12. Wow. So uh, his wife passed away just like that. And I think she was maybe in her 60s or so. Hmm. But I took a portrait of him holding a photo of his wife. And if, if I had that photo and I just pulled out my phone and I said, I want to tell you about Steve. And this is him holding the photo of his wife and she passed away and blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, that would be a, a really cool video or either a video, you know, me holding a, a photo of my dad, because I only had kind of one good, good image of my dad. You know, I had lots of like, you know, four by sixes and little things, but like one good solid thing I could show my kids today of him. And I would talk about that regularly when I would photograph um, people as I'd say, let me get one of you and your, 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 uh, each of your kids. Hmm. And I ran into a, a mom years later and she said, my son still sleeps with that photograph next to his bed. And he says, that's his favorite photograph because it's he and I. So like stories like that, that you can share. Wow. And I think one other cool one could be, what does your process look like? So let's uh, if you have a studio, walk them literally from outside into your studio and tell them what you do. Because that can be intimidating going into some building you've never been into before for your first session, <laughs> yeah. you know, or whatever. Like, it, it, let's say you do more formal stuff. What does that look like? You know, what what is this going to, you know, if they've never done this before, they mm. have no idea. And that mm-hmm. can be intimidating. Mm-hmm. Or if you shoot on location stuff, this is what we're going to do. So, you know, people often ask us, what does a session look like? Well, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to, you know, do X, Y, Z. Next, we're going to blah, blah, blah. And then finally, we're going to this and this and that. Yep. And we'll let you pick your photographs via, you know, whatever. I mean, just clearly defining what that process looks like can, again, alleviate that. And that's just all good content that you can make for folks. Perfect. I mean, this has been really helpful, practical, actionable information. And I really appreciate it, Lee. Can you just remind our listeners too where they can find you online one more time and maybe even learn a little bit more about some of the work that you offer? Yeah. So uh, website is simplevideoschool.com. Pretty simple, right? <laughs> Same thing on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And then there's you know multiple different resources on there. And one thing I've got is I've got a little video series. Well, I've got a couple of video series, but one of them that, that folks might want to see is called um, Five Ways to Grow Your Business Today Using Video from Your Phone. Um, and I go into a little, it's a, a series of you know multiple two, three minute type videos. Um, I, can try, I can send you a link for that if you want that for the show notes. They can maybe check that out. That'd be and, perfect. Uh, one other one I have is, is kind of, I think a lot of photographers will know some of that. It's more like lighting and a few other things. They'll see that if they hit my website, but I think this one would be probably more helpful for them. 
Well, and, and in case anybody's curious too, I mean, I, and, and actually Lee and I chatted about this via email ahead of time, but he actually has, you know, that some websites post testimonials or supposed testimonials anyway from, yeah. <laughs> from clients. And it always makes me leery for some reason. I just, I get the sense that a lot of this stuff might be fake, but you actually post screenshots of individual messages or posts from people or text messages, whatever it might be, um, yeah. talking about the benefits they receive from, from the, what you've done for them, the information you've given them, the, the potential help with their business that you've given them. Uh, it's pretty cool, actually. So if you go to simplevideoschool.com, you can see this. We'll also link to the Instagram account, of course, Simple Video School, in the show notes of bocapodcast.com. Uh, and once again, Lee, thanks so much for making time for all of us. Yeah, buddy. Thank you for having me. It's been a, it's been a hoot. It's good to talk to uh, some photographers again. I don't get to do that very often. <laughs> Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial-free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.